The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to the Financial Physician radio program. Lou Scatigna here on the Financial Physician. We talk money, markets, and politics, anything that affects your financial life. And if you want to join the program or have any question on any money matter, 866-472-5790 is the call number. So today is Wednesday, uh, September 11th, 2013. And uh, September 11th, you know, each year, it's 12 years now since uh, 2001. Uh, it's always a very solemn day. Uh, it is for me and I'm sure it is for most Americans because that was the day uh, that America lost its innocence. You know, we thought that we were always safe within our own borders, that something like that uh, could not happen to us, could not happen here. And if you live in a New York area like I do, uh, to think that it would happen in your own backyard is just something that we never thought about. And everybody remembers where they were uh, when they found out about the trade centers being hit by, by a plane, either the first one or the second one or whatnot. And I'll tell you my story. My story was I was in Las Vegas with a buddy of mine. He went to a convention, and I accompanied him. And uh, we had gone out the night before. We were in Caesars Sportsbook, and we were watching the Giants uh, play the Dallas Cowboys in uh, the first Monday night game of the season. And, you know, we stayed out late, uh, went to bed, I don't know, 1, 2 in the morning, uh, West Coast time. And at 6 in the morning, I get a phone call from my buddy, and the phone rings. I'm all groggy. I pick up the phone. He says, Lou. He goes, turn on your TV. He didn't say anything else. He said, turn on your TV. I go, why, why? He goes, just turn, just turn it on. So I turned it on, and uh, I saw both towers, smoke pouring out of him. And my mind just didn't register what was happening. And I, and I said, Ron, there's a fire in, in, in both towers? He goes, no, it's terrorism. You know, planes have been flown into them. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And my heart started racing, and, uh, and, and the first thing I thought about was my family at home. And uh, as a person who travels a lot on business, um, my biggest fear is something like that happening uh, when I'm out of town, thousands of miles away from my family. And at that time, well, 12 years ago, my, my kids were about 10, 12 years old, uh, and uh, I couldn't get through on the phone lines. I tried to call my business, my office, couldn't get through there, finally did, uh, and, and, and found out what was happening. So 
we're watching this on TV, and all of a sudden I see the first tower come down. That's what I said to my, my buddy. I said, look, you and I are going to go down into the casino, and we're going to take as much money out of the ATM machine as we can. And that's what we did. Now, it's interesting. In, in, in Vegas, you go down there into the casino. People are just playing away, playing their slot machines, paying no attention to what's going on. It just blew my mind how many people were actually in the casino. And it looked like a normal day when all this was happening. Anyway, so we got money out of the, out of the ATM. And we sat and we watched the events unfold for the day. Now, of course, they shut down the airport. We were supposed to leave the next day to fly home. Uh, that wasn't going to happen. And it was kind of eerie because we were staying at the Tropicana Hotel, which anybody who's been to Las Vegas knows that it's at the end of the strip right by the airport. So we looking down on the runways from a very high uh, room on a very high floor. And to see no planes coming or going for days uh, was a very eerie sight. Well, finally, I think it was Friday. Yes, it was Friday. The, uh, Friday morning, uh, the airport's opened again. And we turned on the TV news, local news, and they said that the line going out of the airport was two miles long into the desert. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we said, um, I'm not doing this. I said, I'm not doing this either. And luckily, my buddy had a rental car. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, he said, let's drive. And I said, let's go. And it was Friday afternoon. I uh, had uh, hosted a radio show for many number of years uh, here on the Jersey Shore on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, and my goal was to be able to do my radio show somewhere because I know my listeners will want to know what to do on Monday when the market's opened. So we started driving. and I'll never forget this drive. We left 1 o'clock Las Vegas time, and by 1 o'clock in the morning, we were pulling into Denver. Uh, we stayed overnight in Denver. We left Denver at 9 in the morning, and we drove. Our goal was to drive to St. Louis, uh, and we drove all day. We drove three hours through the part of Colorado that we had to get through to get to Kansas. Then if anybody's driven across Kansas, you know it's an eight-and-a-half-hour at 100 miles an hour looking at nothing, flat as can be. Then we went through um, uh, Missouri. And we get over the border into Illinois. We go through St. Louis, and we're looking for a hotel. Now, by now, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. So we've been driving since 9 o'clock in the morning, taking turns driving. Now it's 1 in the morning, and I got to sleep. He's got to sleep. I mean, we're exhausted. Also, my plan was that the next morning, I was going to um, uh, do my radio show from the hotel room. I was just going to call it in. So I needed to get to sleep. And I need to be able to get up in the morning, prepare, and do my radio show. So we pull into a, a Best Western in the middle of nowhere. In uh, southern Illinois, it's all woods and stuff. And I walk into the hotel, and I say to this guy, I say, you know, we need a room. And he looks at me, and he goes, I can't give you a room. I go, what do you mean I can't give me a room? Now my New York is starting to come out. Now I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. I'm cranky. And he said, there ain't a room from here to Terre Haute. I go, what do you mean? Now, now Terre Haute. Indiana. I mean, we're talking about three hours away at least. I go, what do you mean it's not a room between here and Terre Haute? He goes, Corvette Convention's in town. I go, what? Corvette Convention's in town? They still have a Corvette Convention after 9-11? You're telling me every freaking hotel room within a 300-mile radius is taken? He goes, yep. I wanted to jump over the counter and kill him. My friend had to pull me back. That's how pissed off I was. So anyway, 
Sure enough, he was right. There was not a hotel room between there and Terre Haute, and we drove. And let me tell you, we weren't the safest drivers in the world at that time. I'll tell you that. We were swerving. We were falling asleep. It was horrible. Finally, four in the morning, we get to Terre Haute, find this flea bag hotel, which we didn't really care at that point. It could have put me on the ground somewhere. It didn't matter. And I never felt so good to fall into bed in my life. It was Denver to Terre Haute, Indiana. That's some trip in one day. Now, the next morning, did my radio show from the hotel room. It was uh, probably one of the most compelling and and interesting radio programs I've hosted, and I've done 15 years worth of radio. And uh, after we were done, it was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We drove home from Terre Haute uh, to the Jersey Shore, getting home around midnight. And I was in my desk when the market opened on on that Monday. So that was my story of of 9-11. Now, of course, that's nothing compared to the people who lived through it. And one big concern that I had was was my father-in-law. My father-in-law worked uh, on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And he would uh, take the PATH train that would go into the station that was under the Twin Towers. And he'd just walk through the Twin Towers and walk to Wall Street and, and, and do his job. So I didn't know if he was in the towers when this happened. I don't know if he was injured. We had no communication with him. Uh, thank God, as it turned out, later in the day we found out he was okay. But there was many people that were not okay. And I know a number of people um, that lost brothers, spouses in the Trade Center. Uh, A buddy I know in the business who who works downtown, uh, his brother worked for Cantor Fitzgerald. And he was sitting on a street looking up and watching uh, the building burn where he knew his brother was up there. His brother calls him on the cell phone and tells him to uh, he can't get in touch with his wife. His wife's not home, but just tell my wife and kids I love them. And that's the last he heard from his brother. He's standing out there, and the first tower comes down, and he sees it coming, and he runs for all he was worth down the street and into a side street. And he said, Lou, out of nowhere, it was pitch black. I couldn't breathe. He said, I, I felt along the for a storefront and I opened the store I went I saw I fell into some stairs I went up the steps I tried to breathe I'm on the floor and finally it blew past and I was coughing I was covered in soot and knowing that my brother just got killed and 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 there is many stories like that and people around the country you know we think of 9-11 it was something that happened to our country But when you live in the New York metropolitan area, uh, it was much more personal. And in Wall Street, um, it's a pretty tight-knit community. A lot of people know each other. And, uh, you know, I lost some friends. I had some clients that worked there and to hear their stories. And uh, we know there was a lot of people who jumped for the, you know, they just would rather jump than burn to death. And, And he witnessed that at ground level. And I don't think he's the same since. And he'll tell you he's not the same since. So 9-11 was a horrific day. Here we are 12 years later. I can't believe it's so long. They still haven't finished replacing the Twin Towers. Almost. There's a beautiful building built there now. One World Trade Center. I was just outside it just recently. It's a gorgeous building. Uh, the memorial area where they have the footprints from the old um, towers. Um, beautiful park they made there. Very solemn. 
and the area is recovering a dozen years later, which is a sin in and of itself. You know, Chinese built a skyscraper in 90 days, and it took us 12 years to replace those towers. And that was a scar in lower Manhattan that reminded us every day of what happened. And when we have a 9-11 anniversary, uh, all the news shows show the videos of the everything that happened. The documentaries run again, and, and you feel as if it's the same exact day. You feel like you're there again. You feel like you're watching it for the first time. And the horrors of that day are, are, are just as strong now as it was then. And every 9-11, uh, they read the names of all those who died. And when you say over 3,000 people died, first of all, I thought, thought 50,000 people died when those things went down. Just seeing all the smoke in lower Manhattan, seeing the debris. I thought for sure 50,000 people died. And thankfully, I guess that's the word you would use, I guess thankfully it was only 3,000. But when they read those names, and it takes hours to read the names, you realize that that number 3,000 is an individual life and a family times 3,000. And um, here we are 12 years later fighting endless wars against uh, Islamists and jihad and all that. And uh, the talk now is of going into another war. And it all started with... September 11th, 2001, a day that changed America forever and changed each and every American forever. All right, we're going to take a short break. 866-472-5790 is our call number. My name is Lou Scatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on Voice America's Business Channel. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to the financial physician and America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Once again, here's Lou. All right, welcome back. Lou Scatigna here. We get together every Wednesday, 4 p.m. on the East Coast. 1 p.m. on the West Coast to talk about money markets and politics in no specific order because they all affect each other. Markets affect politics, politics affect markets, and markets affect our money, right? In so many different ways. And with the endless amount of scandals coming out of Washington over the last few months and uh, the ongoing rush to war with Syria, uh, a very critical development has happened that, that most people uh, haven't noticed. Uh, unless you're in the financial arena. And that's the treasury bond market, which has been artificially inflated over the last five or six years by the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has been printing money and buying bonds in the open market to, to keep prices high and to keep yields low, mainly to keep yields low. But that's how you keep yields low. You keep prices high. When bond prices drop, yields go up. When bond prices go up, yields go down. So the the bid in the market by the Federal Reserve has kept the bond market up and has kept interest rates at historic lows. And for the last few years, the 10-year Treasury note has yielded approximately 1.5%. And that was true as, uh, as, as late as May of this year. In late May, the 10-year Treasury was um, 1.5%. Now it's just about 3%. Now think about that. That's a doubling in interest rates. In just a few months. And I don't think I've ever seen that uh, in 30 years uh, being in the market. It may have happened, but I don't remember it. Now, sure, you could say 3% still is very low interest historically, and that's true. But a rapid move in interest rates like that has a lot of ramifications on a lot of things. Namely, interest rate swap derivatives that all these banks have with each other. Where if interest rates go up, you pay me a lot of money. Well, that's fine if they go up gradually, but if they go up quickly, uh, that's a disaster for the person who is on the other side of that contract. And there's a lot of that out there right now. A lot of banks are, you're not hearing it publicly, but there's a lot of bad derivatives right now. And if this continues, meaning that interest rates continue to be pushed up in the bond market, now the interest rates are being pulled up not because the Fed is doing anything different. The Fed is still buying the same amount of bonds they've been buying. It's just that the world is selling much more bonds than the Fed is able to buy. And with our national debt hitting almost $17 trillion and soon to go up probably a trillion very quickly after they raise the debt ceiling, which is another story we're going to talk about later, uh, we're in a bad state. And we're not even counting our unfunded liabilities like Social Security and Medicare. And if both the national debt level and interest on U.S. government debt continues to go up, it's going to be impossible for the United States government uh, to service its debt. Because with $17 trillion in debt outstanding, an increase of 1% is $170 billion in interest that has to be paid. $170 billion. Now, of course, all of it hasn't matured yet, so existing interest rates are out there with most of the debt. But most of our debt is very short term, maturing in two, three years or less. So as that debt matures, we've got to issue new debt at the higher interest rate, which means more money comes out of the budget 
to service the interest on that debt. It's that simple. Just like your credit card interest rate going up, all of a sudden your payments are going to go up. Now, historically, the 10-year bond yielded 5 6 7%, which is fine in a, in a good economy and in a country that doesn't have a whole lot of debt, but that's not the case now. We can't afford. The country is in a whole lot of pain if interest rates continue to go up. Again, that's in the face of the Fed printing $85,000 million a month, which is $85 billion, and buying bonds. If that bid was not there, I wonder where interest rates would be. And it's having an effect on a lot of different things. Rising interest rates affect a lot of things. Mortgage rates. For the 16th of the last 18 weeks, mortgage refinance activity has plunged. And that dropped 20% this week alone. And that's um, since uh, early June when the Fed murmured the word taper. That's the big word, taper, meaning not stop buying bonds, meaning not buying $85 billion a month, maybe buying $75 billion a month. That's what taper means, not buying as much. But just the thought, just the insinuation that the Fed would taper caused all kinds of volatility in the stock market and is the reason why the Treasury bond market has, I don't want to say crashed, but you know it's dropped dramatically and interest rates have risen dramatically in a relatively short amount of time. And since May, refis have collapsed 70%. Who wants to refinance their mortgage when interest rates have gone up a lot compared to where they were just three months ago? And existing new mortgages are dropping. And it's all relative. I mean, you can say, well, geez, you know, you know interest rates were a record low. Uh, was it 3.5% a 30-year fixed rate mortgage? 3.5%. Wow, you think housing would have took off with interest rates that low, but it didn't. Sure, it firmed up a lot, but it didn't take off. And since June, we've seen mortgage rates go up from 3.5% to 4.84% this morning. That's a huge move in interest rates, and that's a big increase in a mortgage payment on the same house that you could have bought three months ago. And that can't be good for housing. If people aren't applying for mortgages, they ain't buying houses. And uh, if this continues, and there's a good reason to believe that it will, uh, then the economy is in big trouble. And if the Fed comes out and states in their meeting next week, they're meeting 17th and the 18th, and on the 18th they're going to come out with their statement, Ben Bernanke is going to give his press conference, and most people believe that they will announce tapering in the September meeting. And it's not going to be great. Most people think it's going to go from $85 billion to $75 billion. It doesn't sound like a big difference, but it's going to make a big difference to the markets. Again, namely the bond market. Forget the stock market. The stock market is on steroids. But the stock market is benefited by the Fed printing money like mad. It's like cocaine for the market. And if the Fed withdraws that, even gradually, the stock market's in trouble. And that's especially true if the economy 
start shrinking due to rising interest rates, and it will. There's no question that it will. Housing activity will drop dramatically. The cost of borrowing money will go up dramatically for everybody, including corporations. And the economy will tank. And it will take the stock market with it. So given the fact that the Fed has basically lost control of the bond market when they're buying and printing $85 trillion and buying bonds, if they taper and they're not the bid in the market as much as they were, what's going to happen to interest rates? What's going to happen to bond prices? Interest rates are going to go up and bond prices are going to go down. The U.S. Treasury market is the biggest bubble there is in the history of the world, meaning the prices have risen so high over the years and the yields have dropped so low that there's only one place for bonds to go. And that's down quite a bit. And most people think when you own treasury bonds, you have a a conservative investment. Yeah, that's true during normal times. But this is the biggest risk that financial markets have is that the bond market continues to drop in a disorderly fashion and interest rates rise. The economy cannot handle it, nor can the government handle servicing debt that's 3 or 4% higher than it's been while adding to that debt on a daily and monthly basis. Now, the big buyers of our, our debt over the years has been China and Russia and Japan. And China had previously had an enormous appetite uh, for U.S. government debt. But they've been quietly diversifying and reducing their purchases and even selling. Between China and Russia, both countries currently hold a combined total of over $1 trillion worth of U.S. government debt, which is roughly 25% of all debt that is foreign-owned in the world, of all debt. And with geopolitical tensions on the rise in uh, the Middle East with Syria, an ally of Russia, I wouldn't know if they're, I wouldn't say they're an ally of China, but China is certainly uh, um, behind them in some way. They're not behind us. And um, if we get them upset, and we've come very close to doing it, especially with Russia, uh, they're just going to dump our holdings. They're going to dump their holdings of bonds. They're doing it now, and they're diversifying into gold, but they'll accelerate it, which in turn will cause bond prices to drop even more and interest rates to rise even more. And then what you're going to have happen is the Fed come back out and say they're doing the opposite of tapering. They're going to increase their bond purchases to offset the dramatic decline in the U.S. Treasury market. That's the way it's going to play out. So even though next week the Fed may come out and say they're tapering a little bit, and I believe they have to come out and say something like that because they've, 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 they've alluded to it in the last few meetings, and they're going to lose all credibility if they don't do something on the next meeting or the meeting following. And it would be interesting to see how the bond market reacts to it. Just the thought of it potentially happening has doubled interest rates. When it actually does happen and the Fed's not out there buying, uh, we're going to see interest rates rise. We're going to see the housing market plummet, and we're going to see economic uh, growth uh, contract, at which point the Fed will have to come out and say, due to the rising interest rates and the housing market and rising unemployment, uh, we're going to have to uh, increase our quantitative easing to $100 billion a month. And six months later, that'll be $125 billion a month. 
as the bond market continues to feed on itself down and interest rates continue to go up. And that's the insidious thing about interest rates going up when you're a debtor nation, especially to the tune of $17 trillion plus dollars and growing every day, is that more and more of the budget goes to debt service. It's the first thing that has to be paid. It's your obligations to your, your creditors. And this is the problem all around the world. All the stuff you're hearing about in Greece and you're hearing about in Cyprus and you're hearing about in Europe. and uh, This is all due to debt. It's countries that spent more than they brought in, mainly due to entitlements and social programs. And they've slowly bankrupted themselves. And that's exactly where we're headed. There will be no meaningful cut in spending in this country. There's no political appetite for it. So we'll borrow more and more. Interest rates will go up more and more. The service on a debt will go up more and more. And ultimately, the whole thing collapses. And there's no way around it. So interest rates are the key. The bond market's the key. We're right about 3% on a 10-year. Keep an eye on it each and every week. It's the most important thing, and I'll talk about it each week on this program. All right, time for another break. 866-472-5790 is the phone number. Any question, any money matter here on The Financial Physician. My name's Luz Katigna. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice. America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. On the Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news, we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Katigna? Call him now. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or email the show. Here's the address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. Hi, welcome back to this thing of ours called The Financial Physician, where we talk money, markets, politics, and we get together 
each and every Wednesday for one precious hour of Money Talk. And uh, your phone calls, if interested, 866-472-5790. And uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm used to, I've been broadcasting radio for 15 years. Had a number one show on the Jersey Shore on Sunday mornings uh, uh, for 12 years. And uh, four years on XM Satellite Radio and, and now here on Voice American. You know, my shows were always uh, uh, calls back to back to back. And um, in uh, internet radio, it's uh, people listen to it at their leisure because it's always available. It's always archived, easy to listen to. And we just got our stats in for August. And uh, uh, our average live show has about 70 to uh, 80 people listening live. Uh, but. 1,300 people listen to the show uh, on average on an average week, so most people listen to it after the fact. So uh, so you get mostly information, but if, uh, if you're listening live and you have a question or a comment, uh, please feel free to call in. And we do have a caller on the line, and that's Ben from Philadelphia. Hi, Ben. How are you? Lou, how are you doing? I'm good. A uh, couple of questions for you. Uh, got my uh, retirement account in uh, assets in Royal Bank of Canada. Is that a safe bank to keep it in? It depends. I mean, when you say you have your assets, are you talking about a bank account? Are you talking about a brokerage account? What are you talking about? It's a brokerage IRA account. Okay. Uh, RBC is a big bank. It's, as far as we know, uh, uh, as safe or as steady as any of the big banks are, uh, which isn't really saying much because a lot of what happens with these banks we don't see. Uh, they can report all kinds of good earnings and, uh, and everything else, but uh, we don't know what's under the hood as far as the derivative position goes. And that's the big key to all these banks' sol- solvency is derivatives. There's one quadrillion, which is $1,000 trillion worth of derivatives in the banking system. I mean, it's unbelievably out of control. And what these things are are, are just bets. And most over half of them are in interest rates. So we know interest rates have gone up a lot, you know, just in the last few months. A lot of these interest rate swaps got to be underwater. So we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Let's take Bear Stearns or Lehman Brothers. I mean, these these banks collapsed virtually overnight. I mean, nobody saw it coming. AIG, the biggest derivatives dealer there was. I mean, it happened so quick uh, that you know it, it blew people away. So. I don't know. Now, there's a guy I follow, and maybe you've heard of him. His name is Jim Sinclair. Uh, he's a pretty well-known, mainly gold guy. He's an old guy. He's been around the block. Uh, called the big gold run in, in 1980. Uh, advised the Hunt brothers and how to unwind their silver position. Great trader and smart guy. And I, I've met him, and I've been to his presentations. Uh, and, and, and his point is you should not have any of your money in any of the too-big-to-fail banks. Meaning, if you ever see a commercial on TV, you shouldn't have your money in that bank. Also, any bank that had a bail, uh, bailout by the federal government, the FDIC, and you could look that up. And uh, that's most banks that you know their name and they have a commercial on TV. So, you know, we don't know what bank will fail next or the next crisis or whatnot. And we don't know what, the, what it means to people who have assets in bank accounts or have assets in brokerage accounts. We just don't know. Now, if it was me, I don't want my money in a big bank. I don't want my money in a J.P. Morgan. I don't want my money in a Bank of America. I don't want my brokerage account at Merrill Lynch. If you remember, these are all the, 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 the establishments that were on the brink of failure. And if not for intervention... Merrill Lynch was going to be out of business. They were bought by Bank of America uh, with an arrangement uh, with the the government to help finance that. Uh, uh, 
I can't think of all the, all the institutions went out. It's my head was spinning. But but many, many big banks and brokerage firms were in major trouble. And if it wasn't for the bailout by the government and everything that happened at that time, uh, investors were at risk. Uh, take uh, the brokerage firm MF Global. All right. What, what Corzine did, he was in trouble. He had a margin call by uh, J.P. Morgan for a billion dollars, and he just took it out of customer accounts. Customers were holding the bag, and are still trying to get their money back. You know, so we don't know what's safe and what's not safe. Now, Jim Sinclair says, get out of the system. You know, don't have a lot of money in a big bank except for what you need for transactions. Preferably use community banks and credit unions that are, are not at risk of derivative meltdowns, that don't have those risky uh, uh, bets that can bring down the whole system. Uh, and uh, don't count on FDIC insurance uh, to be there for you because if, if just one major bank fails, they all fail and, and, and the FDIC is broke. So. You know, it's it's hard to, mm-hmm. to advise people on, on where to have their money, but the only thing I could say is that I'm comfortable. Uh, I own a, a financial planning slash brokerage firm. You know, our our clearing firm is National Financial Services, which is Fidelity Investments. I know Fidelity does not have the same risk uh, that a a J.P. Morgan or a Merrill Lynch or, or any of these other big brokerage firms would have, because all they are is a clearing firm. They don't trade derivatives, they don't do investment banking, they don't make all these risky bets and you know, all that all that stuff. So I'm comfortable that the brokerage firms that go through National Financial Services as a clearing firm are safe. Okay? Okay. But I don't know specifically any one bank, but the rule of thumb is that if they have a commercial, avoid them. If they had a bailout back in two thousand and eight, uh, avoid them because the view now is that there's not going to be bailouts anymore. There's going to be bail-ins. I mean, we're seeing that worldwide right now, is that if an institution fails, it's not going to be the taxpayer that pays. It's going to be the depositors that pay, okay, or the people who have the brokerage accounts or whatever. And, uh, and it, you'd say, well, that's confiscation. I mean, that, that's illegal. Well, it is stealing, but it's happening every day. I mean, it's happened at MF Global. Uh, it happened at other firms. We're seeing it all over the world. Well, well Lou, uh, one other thing is, um, is uh, Bernanke's announcement about the, the uh, uh, t- uh, tapering. Uh, is that going to affect my, uh, my ETFs in, in gold and silver? Well, Should I put a stop on them? Or, or the, you think they're going to go down if he announces tapering? Well... Th- the, the conventional wisdom is that gold and silver will go down because the Fed will not print as much money. Therefore, we won't have hyperinflation, and uh, the hedge that gold is isn't really necessary anymore. Uh, and there may be a knee-jerk reaction to that, although you'd, you'd have to think that it's pretty much baked in already. I mean, you know, pretty much conventional wisdom is that uh, it's going to happen, a, a, a dovish tapering, meaning that uh, uh, they're going to say they taper $10 billion, but interest rates will stay low for foreseeable years uh, to try to temper that. But yes, there, there, could be, there could be a swift downturn in gold and silver. Uh, but as I said before, it's impossible for the Fed to meaningfully taper uh, uh, over the long term because uh, of the deficits that we have, the problems in the bond market, the ultimate problems we're going to see in housing again, we're going to see an increase in unemployment if interest rates continue to rise. The Fed will have no choice but not to end tapering, but to do quantitative easing five, which would be much larger than $85 billion they're doing now. So the answer is it could be. 
And if you're nervous about it, uh, perhaps maybe you want to go to the sidelines for the next week because this announcement is going to come on September 18th, which is next week. Uh, and there's a real risk that you could see a hard downturn in the face of that, uh, even if it's manipulated down in the face of that because it tends to uh, – on Fed days, gold tends to go down anyway, uh, mysteriously most of the time. Uh, so maybe uh, at a safety for those who are concerned about short-term movements in the metals markets, uh, maybe be smart to go to cash and try to, to, to buy back uh, shortly thereafter at a, at a discounted price if it does happen. Now, there's a chance it won't happen. Okay, and uh, uh, maybe the the way the Fed comes out with their statement on this, uh, it shows that uh, they're really no meaningful taper at all, and they're open to increasing purchases if necessary. Uh, that would mitigate uh, the announcement of a small tapering right now. So, uh, I like to think that uh, the downturn that we've seen this summer in gold and silver pretty much was it was a result of the potential of tapering. But with the gold market short term, all bets are off because you never know what's going to happen there. I mean, it's just uh, it's an orchestrated manipulated market because the last thing that the central bank uh, wants is to have them announce that they're going to taper stimulus and and um, and uh, and have gold go up in that face. I mean, they don't want that. Yeah. You know, they want gold to validate that they're going to do it. And uh, for anybody who thinks that the gold and silver market is not manipulated, uh, you're obviously not watching every day like I do. I mean, I could I, I could set my watch to the manipulation in the gold market. Ninety nine percent of days when the jobs report comes out, ninety nine gold's down, and sometimes yeah. substantially. How, what market trades like that? Uh, the market when it when it goes down a lot, gold. It's always during New York trading hours at the Comex. Why always at the Comex? Why not at the London Exchange? Why not overseas in Asia? Why is it always on the Comex? Because Wall Street uh, controls that market. The bullion banks there at the at the behest of the Federal Reserve. So, yes, there's a good chance that you could see all kinds of volatility in gold uh, if if tapering is announced, or you may not see much at all, uh, depending on the statement of the Fed and, and the. Um, the um, the the meeting the the press uh, conference that uh, Bernanke has thereafter. Hey, but uh, well, there's one a more chance. thing. Could could you explain what the heck is going on in Poland? Uh, could that happen in the U.S.? Yes, it's one of the things I to talk about. Uh, what Poland did is they basically nationalized their public pension system. And the problem with Poland is uh, uh, is that uh, they're only allowed to have debt to GDP of about fifty to fifty two percent. They're at, they're at fifty two percent now by taking and taking ownership of this pension plan. All these private pension plans, they're lowering their GDP by eight percent because now it's an asset on their books. So now they are allowed to borrow some more. So by doing this trick, they've basically confiscated the assets of private pensions, put it in government bonds without compensation, and now we'll borrow more money. We're seeing this all around the world. That's what I'm saying. The bail-in is the template going forward. Whether it's so that pensions, can happen in the U.S.? It, it will happen in the U.S. No, no, it, it's not that it can't ha- it can happen in the U.S. It will happen in the U.S. The only thing is I think we have a little bit more time before that happens here. And that's why I get the emails all the time and, and uh, that, Lou, uh, you know, should I cash in my IRA and 401k, take the tax hit, buy gold coins because the government's going to confiscate it and put me in these government annuities. Uh, and I think that's going to happen. But I don't think it's going to happen in the next 12 months. Okay, and, uh, and, and, and I've been stubborn that way, and I just can't advise people to take a 50% hit on a tax-deferred retirement account because of a possibility uh, that it may be nationalized three years from now. 
Uh, I'd rather wait till I see the writing on the wall and, and, and then make that give the people that advice. All right? Well, and, all uh, I can say is uh, we got a heck of a lot more guns and guns here in this country than Poland. So <laughs> I think that's yeah. why Obama's trying to get control of the ammunition in this country. Ben, I got to jump. Thanks for the call. I really do thanks. appreciate getting calls, and, and thanks for calling today. And that's it. Yeah, we have a lot of guns in this country. It won't be as easy here, but I'm telling you, that's, what, that's the template around the world. All right, one more segment left in the program, 866-472-5790 is the call number. My name's Luz Katigna. You're listening to The Financial Position. Don't go away. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the financial physician your source for straightforward no-nonsense financial advice call america's money doctor right now it's toll free 1-866-472-5790 you can also log on to our website at www.thefinancialphysician.com now back to loose katigna hey remember uh the blog at thefinancialphysician.com i update it daily um i try to update it daily sometimes more than more than daily that's thefinancialphysician.com go to the blog uh we only have one hour together each and every week and there's only so much i can cover but on the blog i, I put a lot of stuff that i don't get to touch uh on this program that's thefinancialphysician.com we archive these radio programs there uh as well as on uh, voiceamerica.com and we have all kinds of good stuff on the website 
Also, my email address is Lou, L-O-U, at thefinancialphysician.com. Love your uh, questions. Love your comments about the program, something you want me to cover, uh, or you just have a personal finance question, uh, feel free to email me at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. I promise to get back to you um, within a few days. I just need some time because we get a lot of emails uh, at thefinancialphysician.com. Before the break, we were talking about Poland and what they did. And what they basically did is they confiscated half of the private pension funds to cut their debt. That's what they did. You know, their debt leveraged to GDP. And they did it very quietly. And they nationalized the pension system, uh, but they used a more politically correct name for it. They called it pension overhaul. Now, pension confiscation, not nationalization, pension overhaul. And uh, overhaul was a stealing of money is basically what it came down to. And it's uh, the only option they had. And that's it. When governments come to a point where the only option they have is to take their citizens' money, they will do it. And they've done it over the course of history. And they're doing it now. They did it in Cyprus. If you had over 100,000 euro in the bank, it's gone. They're doing it now with pensions in Poland. And they will do it here. There's trillions of dollars in IRAs, 401ks, and pension plans in the United States. That is a nice little apple to pick at. And the government will do it. Now, I don't think they're going to do it tomorrow. I don't think they're going to do it six months from now. But in the midst of a crisis, they may do it. And I'll hopefully warn you ahead of time. That look... The writing's on the wall here. Within the next year or so, it looks like they may move us to these government annuities. Get your money out of your IRA. Get it out of the 401k. Pay the tax. And buy gold and silver coins and keep it yourself. Because it's not a matter of who owns an asset. It's who controls it. That's the key. Many people, MF Global, owned their securities in their account. But MF Global controlled it and stole it and paid a creditor with it. And believe it or not, it sounds like it's theft and it should be a crime. It's really not a crime. If you read deep in your account agreement, they can do this. So it's not a matter of owning something. It's a matter of controlling something. People owned their private pensions, but the government controls. And if you have gold in a, in, in, a, in a depository somewhere, you think you own the gold, you do. Somebody else controls it. There may be 10 people owning the same bar of gold. And a depository controls it. Now, if you own the gold and you have it in your possession, you own it and you control it. You have money in a bank, a significant amount of money. You own that money. You own that bank account. The bank controls it. The bank goes under. You now are an unsecured creditor. 
Now, how much will that be? I don't know. Will FDIC insurance pay off? Is it like if you have 250000 or less, you're fine? I'm not comfortable with that. So it's a matter of controlling it. And this is what happened in Poland. The government has too much debt to issue more debt because of their, their, their restrictions. So the government nationalized private pension funds, making their debt holdings an asset. And they commingle it with the public assets. So now they have confiscated assets that nets out their sovereign debt liability and it lowers their debt to GDP ratio. So now that their debt to GDP ratio is lower, the government can issue more bonds and borrow more money. And they'll spend that money like drunken sailors. They'll max it out to the new limits and they'll have no choice but to confiscate more assets. That's the way it's going to work. So remember, you may own something, but if you don't control it, you may not own it. And that's why it's so important to understand where your money is. And we mentioned the call, asked me earlier, RBC, Royal Bank of Canada. I don't know. These are big banks. Why not deal with a smaller bank, a community bank that doesn't have those derivatives? And here's another thing that makes me a little concerned. In the aftermath of the Cyprus bailing, you know, where they lost their money, and the pension fund issue we just uh, we talked about in Poland, it's understandable if, if depositors are a little sensitive about insurance and confiscatability of their accounts. And last week, following a 5 to no vote by the FDIC, depositors in foreign U.S. bank branches will officially no longer have any FDIC insurance. And there's a trillion dollars in foreign banks. So if Bank of America has a branch in London, and you, you're living in London, you're an expat American, and you want to deal with the Bank of America, you have no FDIC insurance on your account. Trillion dollars overseas in these bank branches. The move reflects what officials called a quote-unquote creative legal proposal from the banking industry. We don't want to become the deposit insurer for the world, FDIC officials said. The FDIC's action was prompted by a move last year by UK regulators to propose changes in the way deposits held at overseas branches should be treated. The final rule protects the deposit insurance fund while at the same time recognizing both the FDIC's commitment to maintaining financial stability through the prompt payment of deposit insurance. So again, FDIC insurance, well, trillion dollars they're not going to cover in their own banks just because they have overseas branches. I tell you, people, it's coming. Be careful. Don't keep a lot of money in the big banks. All right, we're out of time. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember my email address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com, the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week. And please join me next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 